Oh, happy Monday. Thank you for enjoying it with the six pack. And we got to we got to pour one out for these here. The baby Packers as uh, our friends at 247 Sports have days because they did about everything um, <laughs> they did everything that fans could have asked of them at the beginning of this season and and then some frankly um but as the season progressed as October turned to November. As November turned to December, as December turned to January, the the goals of this team seemed to change. The idea of what this team fundamentally could be changed. And that's a good thing. And it means that, frankly, the question of whether or not this Packers season was a success, I think, is more complicated than many have thought it to be. And we need to talk about the game. We need to talk about this. Uh, another, yet another infuriating not in this not infuriating but loss in the playoffs to the san francisco 49ers and we're going to do that today on on today's episode of the scotty six-pack podcast i am your host kedrick stumbrus thank you for listening on your podcast platform of choice or by joining us watching on youtube youtube.com slash at scotty six-pack you can find me on the website formerly known as Twitter at Kedrick Stumbrus. Also follow the podcast at Scotty Six Pack for the latest updates in Wisconsin sports. While you're on this podcast, leave a nice review, five stars, kind comments, helps other people find the show and talk about the Green Bay Packers, Milwaukee Bucks. I think we're actually going to do that this week. Um, <laughs> Wisconsin Badgers, we're definitely doing that this week. Milwaukee Brewers. And sometimes more. So, the Green Bay Packers did enough to win the Green Bay Packers did enough to win on Saturday. But they also did enough to lose. Uh, and I think those are, in in some sense, diametrically opposed. And, and you could say, you know, the Packers didn't do enough to win because they didn't win. Um, for most of this game, the Packers got by doing just enough to win because San Francisco was not doing enough to win frankly, wasn't necessarily that the Packers whipped that butt like they did to the Dallas Cowboys a week prior. It was the Packers in some sense getting away with some things from what is supposed to be arguably far and away the best team in football. And and we'll talk about you know that aspect of it toward toward the end of the show. But when this game started on Saturday, the Green Bay Packers went down and kind of punched the 49ers in the mouth, made it clear that this team was not going to go away easily. And 
had some penalties, some things go their way, kind of like the opening drive in Dallas the week prior, but it was different because the penalties this time on this drive, this opening drive, bailed out the 49ers more than bailed out the Packers. Because if you remember, Green Bay goes on that opening drive. Aaron Jones, who we said on this show, was key to this game. Aaron Jones has six carries for 28 yards to open the game on the opening drive. And, And that's what you needed from Aaron Jones to make that known early. There's a third and one. They go to split zone. Loved it. Loved it. <laughs> what I said last week that Packers needed to do in the outside zone runs for, for Aaron Jones. They, they got it going. That that was, that was huge for the Packers to stay in this game. And Aaron Jones did, you know, taper off a little bit late later in the game, but obviously ripped off a big one late that could have sealed it. You know, they, they got some, Shots at the end zone. There's a penalty called pass interference, defensive pass interference. A a good penalty to commit by San Francisco on that opening drive because otherwise Romeo Dubs is wide open and runs that in for a touchdown and the Packers are up 7-0. Instead, you get solid coverage, a, a tough throw that maybe Jordan Love could have placed just a little bit better on third down to the end zone to Dubs. And, and the drive ends in, in three instead of six or seven. But Packers came in, punched that early. You get a Darnell Savage drop pick right away on the ensuing drive. You get a coverage sack on third down as, as San Francisco gets there. And San Francisco was kind of getting cooked. On, on the on the front line, the Green Bay Packers brought four throughout the night, did not blitz very often, and were getting pressure. And part of that is because these defensive backs held up ag- against just a ton, a ton of, of tools that San Francisco has, a, a ton of weapons that San Francisco has. They, they get kind of away with it. The, the Packers kind of get away with a little bit of something. Being able to keep all those folks in check. Christian McCaffrey is great on the ground, but you know, not totally a non-factor in the passing game, but not not a surefire weapon either. Debo Samuel goes out for a big chunk of this game. That's tough for the 49ers. Kyle Juszczyk is a non-factor in this game, basically. You don't allow any San Francisco 49er to go over 100 yards receiving. Christian McCaffrey, just a hair, 98 yards, under 100 yards rushing. Packers kind of did enough. And then the second drive, Green Bay only gives Aaron Jones two carries. He had a questionable spot on a tush-push. But you you just gotta you you gotta be a little bit better than that. The Green Bay Packers get get a tipped field goal, a missed field goal, a huge huge kick return. Bo Melton gets down the field, the huge DPI in a in a safety that slips, and, and these are the kind of things that 
San Francisco makes little mistakes here and there. San Francisco just isn't quite doing enough. San Francisco is doing enough on the Packers' behalf to give the Packers a chance to win. What, what I was talking about at the beginning of the show here, where in some ways the Packers did enough to win, frankly, just because San Francisco was not doing enough on their own. Tip field goal, safety slipping, big kickoff return. You had a huge play by Aaron Jones. At, at the end of the game, results in zero points. Zero points off of a 50-plus yard run by Aaron Jones. And it's really hard. It's really, really tough to lose a game like that where the Packers do not everything right, but do enough for 58 minutes, maybe 57 minutes. It's hard, but when you look at it, the game answered a couple of questions. And, and one of them is that Aaron Jones, not just in this game, but over the last five or so weeks, has proven himself invaluable to this Green Bay Packers offense. And there is a scenario in which the Packers have a really, really hard decision to make with Aaron Jones, and, and arguably still do. But... Aaron Jones, who is kind of the heart and soul of that locker room, the, 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 the connection, the emotional connection he has with Jaden Reed in particular comes to mind. But running back, older, a lot of tread on the tires, a little bit of a history with injuries. Got a big cap hit next year. Two months ago, we're not talking about bringing Aaron Jones back. We're, we're saying this sucks, but he's got to go. Now, he ripped off five 100-plus yard games in a row. Something no Green Bay Packer has ever done. And a stat, like, a stat like that. There's not a lot of things. It's not very often you get a, a Green Bay Packer has never done that stat. <laughs> it's a law. It's, it, it is a long storied organization it just it's an old team it's been around a long time you don't get a lot of just guys doing it for the first time in impeccable performances and and so to get that out of Aaron Jones at this stage in his career arguably playing the best ball in his career at that age what a way that he has proven himself invaluable to that Green Bay Packers team over over the last month, and you you wish you wish the run he ripped off in the fourth quarter was enough to get it done. You got whatever it was six minutes on the clock, and ah, uh, you almost wish instead of ripping off the one long one, you get a several minute drive of Aaron Jones ripping off. Four and a half yards at a time. But. Alas, so be it. And on. After that run, you get instead. Nobody picking up. Free rushers when San Francisco sends six. And Andres Carlson miss. 
that just about does it. After that, you get a you get a San Francisco drive for the books of sorts. Because frankly, Brock Purdy didn't play great in this game. And again, we're going to talk about that in just a minute here. But Aaron Jones proved himself invaluable. I think Jordan Love had a little bit of a rough game. We'll we'll talk about that in just a second. But just just a sad way. And, and, and unless you win the Super Bowl, it's all it's always going to be a sad way to end a fun season. But this feels particularly upsetting just because of how how much you you, you were brought to believe. You were brought to believe, and that, that's what we're going to talk about on the second half of the show here. But first, I need to tell you about our friends over at TickPick. Uh, TickPick is where I buy all of my tickets uh, for whatever sporting event, concert, whatever whatever I need to get to. And the best part about TickPick is that they don't believe in hidden fees. They don't believe in, in charging a service fees, delivery fees. Price to see is the price you're going to get. And... They're going to get you the best deal on whatever ticket you need to, to get to a game. Maybe maybe you want to go to San Francisco to see what is apparently America's team in the Detroit Lions for whatever reason. Cute story. Um, or, you know, you're, you're going to a Bucks game. Bucks play the Cavs at home on Wednesday. That's a great game. Go to TickPick and buy, buy tickets for that. Cavs are arguably the hottest team in the NBA right now. Maybe that's the Suns, but Cavs are right up there, too. So that's going to be a great Eastern Conference duel between the Milwaukee Bucks and the Cleveland Cavaliers on Wednesday at, at Pfizer Forum. So go to TickPick. Download the TickPick app. That's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K in the Apple App Store, the Google Play Store. And if you use my link in, in the podcast description, uh, the one on your screen now uh, in the YouTube description, you're going to save 10 bucks on your first order. And if you find a better deal somewhere else for the same tickets, TickPick's going to refund you. 110% of the difference in, in credit toward your next order. So go to TickPick, click the link in the description. Never pay service or delivery fees ever again. Uh, coming up this week on the show, we're going to talk some Wisconsin basketball going into maybe something of a trap game tomorrow uh, against Minnesota after, you know, the great win over Indiana on Friday night. We recapped that, but that and Max Klesmit, who had the second highest scoring run of any power conference player in the last decade. <laughs> uh, crazy. Um, recap that Friday. Our episode is published Saturday morning. That should be in your feed. Oh, yeah, the last episode. Um, we'll talk about that. Find some time to talk about the Milwaukee Bucks. Maybe find a way to break down that that Cavaliers matchup on, on Wednesday, uh, and then take some time to to get into the Green Bay Packers. A little bit of season recap, maybe a forward looking piece on a little bit of draft priority priorities, and then uh, looking at the cap situation a little bit. You know who who's going to go, who's going to stay on this roster because there are some. There's some important questions that that needs to be addressed there, but uh, one of the important questions, of course, uh, important questions is is the Joe Barry question, uh, which we'll get into at the at the tail end of the show. Waited to record this until uh, Matt Lafleur had a chance to speak with the media today, which he said some 
interesting things, some non-committal things, but interesting nonetheless. Um, because the Packers did enough in, in, in certain senses to win, but did enough to lose in others. I posed a question to, to my followers on Saturday night after the game, which was aside from the Jordan Love pick at the end of the game, that end of the game, which is bad. And, and Jordan Love knew it right away. He said, that's a cardinal sin of quarterbacking, making a late throw across your body, kind of hurling it up. It's not, not a great look. Um, but if it's not that, if it's not the play that ended the game, what do you want back? Because Matt LaFleur today in his post-game presser, or not his post-game presser, in his Monday presser said, there are about 10 game, 10 plays that you could say decided the game. And that's that's about right. Uh, so, so some of these, you, you, we re-referenced the Darnell Savage missed pick at the beginning of the game, that opening drive for San Francisco. And I don't think this is the one that I would pick because that drive didn't result in points for San Francisco anyway. Green Bay gets three points on the drive coming back the other way. And, you know, maybe, maybe that uh, getting getting six or seven instead of the three is, is huge. And there is a world where that results in Darnell Savage running it back, and that results in seven points, and all of a sudden the Packers are up 10-0, and, and the 49ers kind of turtle. Uh, we, we talked about the fact that Green Bay couldn't fall down in this game early, and they didn't. Um, but if Green Bay really gets ahead there, I could do a lot, do a lot for this team, uh, maybe. But it's not the one that I would pick. There's certainly something to be said for, for the momentum there, the game script flipping a little bit more, but the Packers were already ahead. I don't necessarily know that Savage definitively runs that back for six. Another response I got was the Keyshawn dropped interception on top of that. Um, that drive did end in three points for San Francisco to open the fourth quarter. Um, maybe that makes the margins three margin is three in the game. There is fourth and one where Packers get a bad spot on that one. Feels like Jordan Love probably made the line to game gain on the tush push. I didn't get the best look at it overall. It didn't get the best look on executing the play. It, you know, San Francisco kind of knew it was coming and, and did a good job to stop it. Um, but you, you can't get stuffed on back-to-back -back plays there. They get stuffed on third and two and then fourth and one. You, you need to be a little bit better than relying on that spot. You need to, you need to get a little bit something better out of that. I, I think if you're talking, you know, bad luck plays, I don't know that it's necessarily the one that I would, I would pick just because you had two shots. You just didn't get either of them. I think that's just really tough break uh, overall. Um, You obviously have the missed, missed Anders Carlson field goal uh, and talk about that in a second. But I think the one that I would pick, I think the one that I would pick, we talked about how Joe Barry didn't, bl didn't blitz a lot in this game. The Packers did a good job of getting 
pressure on Brock Purdy with four rushers, which is huge. We talked about the fact that Brock Purdy and that 49ers offense is first in the league in DVOA when not getting blitzed and the defense not getting pressure. First in the league in, in passing offense. Also first in the league in passing offense when not bringing the blitz and not getting pressure. Also first in the league when bringing the blitz and getting pressure, but 13th in the league in DVOA when not bringing the blitz, but yes, getting pressure. When getting pressure with four 49ers revert back to a average offense in the year. So you know that, and I get it. You got, you got to blitz on occasion. You, you got to keep the, the offense honest, but 49ers first touchdown of the night to George Kittle, where Kittle gets wide open and makes Jonathan Owens look not good at safety for Green Bay. It's one of the very few plays that Joe Barry sent the blitz against Brock Purdy tonight. Tonight. Uh, one of the very few plays that Joe Barry sent the blitz against Brock Purdy on Saturday. And it was absolutely burned. And, and you kind of saw it happening right away. Packers just don't have, they don't have the defensive playmakers in the back six, seven guys to, to really to do it. And that's the biggest difference between that San Francisco defense and the Packers defense is schematically, they're not all that different. 49ers don't blitz a ton. You know, Joe Barry will, will send the blitz sometimes, but you look at that front front four on Saturday, they don't need to do it a whole lot to get pressure. The the inside linebackers are the huge, huge, huge difference for San Francisco versus Green Bay. I, I, I mean, Devondre Campbell's got a bad case of being old. Uh, some talk about, you know, should the Packers keep him, cut him? What, what's his, what's his salary cap situation? Uh, we'll talk about that on, on that episode, you know, later on this week, but Quay Walker's not great in coverage either. And he's, he's young and spry. He's got to get better in coverage. Think that's the play I'd want back. Like the play call I'd want back because you know, you know, that defense is not going to be great with the blitz. Brock Purdy got that ball out quickly, and George Kittle got open real quickly. That's what that's what that 49ers offense can do to you with all, all of those fantastic skill position players. It's really tough. It's a tough outfit to defend. And, you know, eventually you were going to get burned, but... I think that's the one I'd want back at that part of the field where you're kind of in like great play, big play territory for San Francisco. I think that's the one I'd want back. Um, so the Joe Barry question needs a definitive answer. And we didn't get one today from Matt LaFleur. I wasn't necessarily expecting one in in his in his presser today uh, on Monday but I wouldn't have been surprised to get one one way or the other 
I personally am expecting Joe Barry to come back because it does not seem that Matt LaFleur wants to get rid of it. Um, he, he had said that he was, you know, very impressed with, with the job the defense did on Saturday. And I was there for a little bit. I, I've come back around on this and said, look, I looking at the tape, Brock Purdy made some bad throws in the rain, man. He, he looked not good. Uh, <laughs> basically going back and reconfirming my prior priors, uh, that he is not very good. Um, but I think we've seen several data points now on Brock Purdy that he's just a worse quarterback in the rain. Uh, I mean, looked bad against Cleveland in the rain, looked <laughs> awful against the Ravens in the rain. Um, in the rain, he's just not good. Uh, say what you will about small hands. I think it's the same hand size as Mahomes. Some 49ers person said and listened to last week, but whatever, make hand jokes. I don't care. Uh, I think there's just something about him throwing the ball in the rain that that is just not his forte, not his forte. Um, so I was not overly impressed with Joe Barry on Saturday, although they looked like they kept the 49ers in check, but it's always these things when you need the defense to make a stop most. They just don't. It's the, it's the Danny DeVito drive in New York where, where Jordan Love got you a drive and gave you a chance to win. Um, you know, arguably a game-winning drive by Jordan Love that Joe Barry just threw, threw away because didn't was playing prevent when all the Giants needed for a field goal for the win was field goal, and it felt like they just didn't do enough in in the closing minutes of that game to give the Packers a chance to win. Uh, when you need to stop most, they just never seem to get one. Um. So the Joe Barry question needs a definitive answer. I don't know when we're going to get one. I think the answer is that he's coming back. Uh, but I could see him going just from organizational pressure, from Mark Murphy pressure of you got to do something. He's never had an above average offense, never had an average offense, or sorry, defense ever in his career. He's just never been good. Maybe they say, you know, it's it's personnel. This is this is the scheme I want to run. If you get rid of him, I'm gonna run a similar scheme. We just need better defensive personnel, and there's there's an argument to be had there. I I understand that because the safeties aren't very good. You had some weird injury issues in and out of the lineup. Jair Alexander, Eric Stokes basically didn't play this season. I don't know if Eric Stokes actually played at all this season. Um, I think not. Um. Inside linebackers aren't good in coverage, and and you look at the the defense that the 49ers play, and it's similar and great, and they just have better players, it looks like. I don't know. Um, then the Anders Carlson question. We talked about the fact that there are maybe 10 plays that decided that game. One of them was the Anders Carlson miss kick. And it's definitely one of them. <laughs> um, however, the, the first or the second field goal, the, the long snapper gave Anders Carlson an awful, awful, awful snap and still drilled it thanks to some 
I mean, dramatics, some some great holding work by by Pat Whelan, and then Anders Carlson slowing up the the tempo there to still drill the field goal. Like there was some weird special team stuff. I mean, all night basically, right? Weird kicks, a miss, big return by Keyshawn, and <laughs> he fumbles forward. <laughs> Keyshawn's a psycho, man. Um, Colby wouldn't tip miss kick by, by Anders Carlson. It's, uh, it's weird, but I want to revisit some comments I made right after the bears game where Anders Carlson did not have his best night kicking and then didn't, and then missed an extra point in Dallas too. Uh, I want to, I want to revisit those remarks here that I'm going to play, uh, was right talking about this and suggested you know, what if the Packers brought in Mason Crosby this week, signed him off the Giants practice squad? I don't like that idea. Um, I think it is blurring that line between moving on and not moving on too much. You made a decision. Stick to the decision. If it is true that making the playoffs is great and wasn't and is already above and beyond everything that was hoped for out of this season. Everything from now is gravy. Get as much evaluation of Anders Carlson as you can. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. And so that is where I think the question we posed at the top of the show comes into play. Was this a successful season or not? Anders Carlson missed the most kicks in the NFL this season. The most. Not great. Especially for a guy you spent a draft pick on. You needed him to make a 40, what, 41, 42 yarder. He also missed an extra point the, the, the week before. And so when I had said that I don't like the idea of bringing in Mason Crosby, it was without the context of the Dallas game. And the dismantle the Packers gave them. And when the team does that, when the team does what it does for 57, 58 minutes on Saturday night, the expectations change. The goals throughout the season changed, like we talked about at the top of the show. If you just say fast forward from this time last year, you're going to have Jordan Love as your starting quarterback, and you're going to lose in a heartbreaker in the divisional round to San Francisco. You're going to say, well, one, of course we do. <laughs> um, but two, it's a great season for first-year starter Jordan Love. You say that, you say, Goal probably is to sneak into the playoffs. And, you know, that's that's what the Packers did. Goal in October was, oh, gosh, well, let's just hope this doesn't fall off, fall off the wheels entirely. Um, maybe let's start working on these <laughs> scenarios where Drake May ends up a Green Bay Packer. But then you get back in the playoff picture. You fight your way there. And then not just fight your way there, but whip some butt in the wild card round. You look at that and say, oh, 
this team might actually be something. And then for 58 minutes on Saturday, that team was something. That team had maybe, maybe the best team in football. Maybe your Super Bowl champions. On the ropes, you had, I think it was Bosa, fell to his freaking knees at the end of that game. Basically like, oh, there's no 49er fans, not, not rational ones, taking victory laps on Sunday or Saturday night. They're saying, oh, we almost got taken to task. That was almost over, over. Saturday night, the expectations changed. I, I said on this show last week when we talked with, with Noah Clark uh, over on over on Snap the Pigskin, listen, go, go listen to his show wherever you listen to, to, to this one. <laughs> said, if this team beats the 49ers, you're not talking me out of this team winning two more games. And they did enough. They did enough, but they also did enough to lose. You got all the evaluation that Anders Carlson that you wanted. We, we said, if it is true, if it is true that you just want to make the playoffs and then everything from there is gravy, that was it. But after Dallas, everything wasn't just gravy. You had a real shot. You had a real shot. The expectations had changed. It wasn't just that everything was gravy. And, and so I don't want to say that the season was a failure. Because this this is too much. But it sure ended in failure. And that stinks. Matt, Matt LaFleur today opened his press conference with some, someone asked how he's doing. He goes, how am I doing? Well, bad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Bad. Ugh. And Andres Carlson missed the flipping extra point against Dallas. Why bring in somebody? Nobody got brought in all year to, to push this dude, to push him, push him, to push him in practice, bring in someone to push him during the week. Anything. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's tough. It's tough. He's going to get pushed this off season. They're, they're going to do something. Um, it was rough. It was rough. And I'm not going to say the season was a failure, despite the fact that the expectations changed Saturday and it made the ending of that game a failure. Because I was ready. I was. It took me a long time. It took me until the latter half of the fourth quarter, but I was bought in. I was bought in. I went into the game having basically no expectations. I was saying late into the game that it is still waiting for the other shoe to drop from the 49ers. And that other shoe never even dropped. Never dropped. Not really. You're waiting for any kind of explosive play. Something where the 49ers are just going to say, we are actually just the better team. And that didn't really happen. And yet, here we are. 
Well, we had a lot of time to talk about what's going to come next for the Green Bay Packers and what's going to make next season a success. And I think it's going to be doing more than what they did this season. Uh, I was um great year and you learned a lot about this team and and what this roster has and we're we're gonna break it all down uh here on the scotty six-pack podcast thank you for for listening uh wherever you listen to podcasts or watching on youtube youtube.com slash at scotty six-pack while you're there smash the subscribe button hit the like button leave some kind comments uh, a five-star review some good words helps other people find the show it's a little bit longer than usual today but just had to get some emotions off off the chest you know, it felt good. Uh, tomorrow, we're going to break down Wisconsin, Minnesota. Going to battle in the barn. Talk a little bucks this week. Talk a little more Packers fallout. See what happens next for this team. Go Pack Go.